0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. It was a love hate relationship. But first, the story starts off as in uh, Shmuel Aleph, Samuel number one, in chapter 16, chapter 16 of Samuel 1. Yobin Hashem El Shmuel. Hashem tells Shmuel, How long will you mourn for King Saul? So, Shmuel, Samuel the prophet, he was the one who anointed King Saul, and he was mourning. He was mourning the fact that Saul is going to lose the kingdom. Uh, Hashem said, I've had enough of Saul. He failed. He's going to lose the kingdom. Samuel says, I'm anointed him. It's the work of my hands. And I'm mourning for him. And Hashem says, Well, how long are you going to mourn for him? It's enough. I've had enough of Saul. He's not going to be king of Israel anymore. I want you to go and fill your horn with anointing oil, special oil made by Moses, anointing oil, and go and anoint someone else. I want you to go to a place called Beit Lechem. we all know where that is, Beit Lechem in the tribe of Judah, Bethlehem, and anoint someone over there in the house of Yishai, or Jesse in English, Yishai, one of his sons. And she also says something very strange for a prophet. He says, how can I go, and Shaul will hear and kill me. In other words, you see over here, a very important point, that a person is not allowed to put themselves in any danger. That even though he's a prophet, and Hashem says to do this, Hashem did not say, I'm going to protect you. If Hashem doesn't say, I'm going to protect you, there's no guarantees of protection. And therefore, he was scared that Sha'ul, uh, Shaul's going to kill him. So he saw, and he hears, he's anointing another king, that's treason. And the king is well within his rights to punish someone for treason. So Samuel says, I'm scared. So Hashem gives Samuel a kind of excuse. He says, take cover. Pretend you're going to offer a sacrifice in the house of Yushai. Don't go and offer a sacrifice. Don't tell everyone what you're doing over there. Don't tell everyone you came to anoint this, one of his sons. Just say you're going to go for a sacrifice. So you have an alibi. And Saul wants to know what you're doing over there. You have an alibi, which is very strange. And obviously it needs more elucidation. But it's just, there's too many things going on in this uh, story to, for me to elucidate every single point. So it is interesting, if you have time, to look up this issue of how much can a person rely on miracles. We're not allowed to rely on miracles. So Samuel the prophet said, I'm not allowed to rely on a miracle. I can't have Hashem do a miracle to protect me from King Saul. Um, what should I do? So Hashem said, you don't need to rely on a miracle. Just have an alibi. Go and do something else. And by the way, you're there anyway. Anoint someone this way. Saul won't hear that you're doing the anointing. You're, you're going there to sacrifice. So uh, Samuel goes, he goes to Beit Lechem, he goes to the house of Yushai, and he takes over there a sacrifice. And over there, we said at the time before the temple, people were allowed to sacrifice things in their backyard. Imagine you having a barbecue, and you can slaughter it and offer it to Hashem, and then eat the rest. Eat the good meat and give the blood and the, and the fats to Hashem. So that was the way they sacrificed in those days. Between the Mishkan, where there was no Mishkan and no temple, there was a time where Bamot were allowed, was a time where, people could have their own personal altars for private, voluntary sacrifices. So you come that'd be great, right? You, have, you want to have barbecue in your backyard, and here you have you can sacrifice it first and then eat it. Um, okay, that's uh, if, you're, if you're a pro-meat uh, eater. Okay, <laughs> they may not be PC today. Okay, uh, let's see what happens when the temple is rebuilt. There are no more sacrifices outside the temple. And the fact is that after the temple was built, no more sacrifice, no more private altars. So from the time of the first temple, Jews have never been allowed to use private altars. So that means we never offered offerings to Hashem outside the temple. It was highly regulated. Offering sacrifices was a highly regulated practice. And there's a reasons for that, there's philosophical reasons for that. Uh, The Rambam seems to say that Hashem does not want sacrifices and he tried to minimize it. He tried to wean the Jews off sacrifices How does he wean the Jews off sacrifices? By limiting it. So he limits the sacrifice to a certain place, certain times, and that's how he weaned them off sacrifices. However, the Ramban says, no, sacrifices are very highly necessary. In fact, it's interesting to be seen when the third temple is built, what will be the status of sacrifices? Let's see what happens. Um, And uh, the Ramban says, yes, there will be sacrifices, even though philosophically, he said, Hashem is trying to wean us away from it. Anyway, it's interesting. So Samuel offers the sacrifice. He has an alibi over here, and he's going to anoint one of the sons of Yishai of Jesse to be the next king over Israel after Saul. And he has this excuse, and he tells Yishai, bring me your sons. And Yishai brings his sons. And the first son he sees is a man called Eliav, And he says, well, this must be the guy. This must be the one. He's tall, handsome, strapping. He has uh, great he looks. And uh, he has a voice inside his head. He says, "Shmuel, this is not the one. This is not the one." Hashem does not look on the outside. Hashem looks at the inside. So you may look at this guy and say he's an handsome guy, he's a tall guy, he's very uh, striking appearance. He's made for kingship. Hashem says, "No, I don't look at the outside. I look at the inside of the person. I look at the heart of the person. I look at the motivation of the person. I look at the mind of the person." And it's a very fantastic, it's a fantastic idea, the idea of not judging. This is a Mishnah <inaudible> Prakash. Don't look at the packaging, look at what's inside the packaging. So a very important idea, the idea of looking inside the packaging and not looking on the outside of the packaging. We you know, today, packaging today is a multi-billion dollar industry. And uh, you look at the packaging, the Apple has it down to a pack. They have it down pat, they, they package it beautifully and you think you're buying it. So you look at the store, you go to the packaging and you buy the package. And then you open the package, you see something very small inside. Remember I bought the first iPad, iPod. It was an iPod, the tiny little thing, but it came in a nice big packet. Same thing, you buy perfume, very expensive perfume. It's nicely wrapped, it's beautiful packaging and people go for the packaging. It's interesting how people go for the packaging. Same thing applies, we're looking for a king. So Samuel the prophet We can see, so a prophet without prophecy is on a very low level. They make mistakes. Prophets without prophecy make mistakes. Where do we see this? We see this Moses. Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem, Hashem, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem, shall I send spies? And Hashem says, Shalach Lecha, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to show you any prophecy. You want to send spies? You send spies for your own free will. So it wasn't done through prophecy. And Moshe Rabbeinu makes a tremendous mistake so when a prophet is not getting prophecies you have prophets they're not prophets all the time they're inspired they have states of inspiration when they're not prophets they can make big mistakes and yeah we see this in the story of samuel he didn't make the mistake because hashem stops him just in time the prophecy came he's left to his own devices he would have chosen a different king completely hashem says no this is not the one i don't look at the outside I look at the inside of a person and then he brings the second son Abinadav. And again, he really wanted to anoint him, but Hashem says, that's not the one. He goes through seven of Yishai's sons, and Shemuel says, anyone else? Is there anyone else? He says, yeah, I have a son in the fields. He's looking after the sheep. He's a young boy, his name is David. So here, Shemuel says, bring him. Let's see. He brought him. He was red. We find two people in the Torah were red. They have very red uh, skin. One was Esau, and one was David. So when Shmuel sees David as red, red is a sign of blood. It's a sign of being bloodthirsty. And Shmuel says, uh-uh, this is another right a right king. This guy is a bloodthirsty monster. Look at him. He's like Esau. He looks like Esau. However, he had very beautiful eyes. with toberi. He looked good. Yom and Hashem. Kuhm, Hashem says, get up and anoint him. This is, this is the Mashiach. This is the word Mashiach the word anointed. And David and Melech was the second king to be anointed. The Gemara Megillah says that Saul was anointed using a pach shemin. was a pach shemen, a flask of oil made of, made of uh, cheres clay, clay pottery, flask. And David was, me- was anointed using a horn, the horn of an animal. And they to imagine they used the horns in those days as cups. So uh, it says those, those who are anointed with a the horn, their rains lasted longer. than Those anointed not without a horn. So if anointed with a flask, it was not a lasting kind of rain. Why Because flask break easily? So there's a symbol. Uh, to be anointed with a flask is not so good. If, if, uh, if, if another prophet comes and wants to anoint someone as the next Mashiach, then, uh-uh, don't anoint me with a flask. Anoint me with a horn. I want something that doesn't break so easily. My my kingship should last and not break like skin salt. So David was anointed with a horn and not with a flask of oil, a horn of oil. makes a big difference. So what happens is uh, Shmuel anoints him and only the brothers and Eshai were there. No one else knew. It was a secret. And the spirit of God rested on David from that time on. And it's amazing. So there's a spirit of God now looking after this divine protection on David, and he needs it badly because he's going to be attacked nonstop from then on. And Shmuel goes back home. Okay, so Shmuel anoints David, and he goes back home. David. Now is very successful and everything he does. Hashem rests his spirit on him, and Hashem removes the spirit from Saul. And instead of a Holy Spirit on King Saul, as prior, there's now a spirit of melancholy. Melancholy, sorry, melancholy. Uh, Now Saul is depressed. So instead of having a spirit of of healing, a spirit of divine protection, there is now a bad spirit on Saul. What is a bad spirit on Saul? He is now depressed. And what is he going to do for his depression? What's the cure for depression? The best cure for depression without any medication, is music. Music. Soothing, healing music. A cure for the soul is soothing, healing music. If you're depressed, listen to good music. Uh, depends what you like. Something you like, someone will lift your spirits. So that's what his servants told Saul. Hashem's soul, uh, spirit has moved away from you and he sent you an evil spirit. He sent you a bad spirit. So now please find someone who knows how to, how to play music on a harp, and uh, when you hear the music, your bad spirit will go away, and the spirit of God will rest in you, so we all Shaul and Shaul tells himself, it's a good idea, go and find me a good harp player, and bring it to me, one of the boys said, I know, I saw there's a son for Yusha, in Beit Lechem, he knows how to play, and he's also a mighty man, And he's a man of war, and he's also very smart, and he's very handsome, and God is with him. So (laughs) this is not just coincidence, it's an amazing coincidence that here's King Saul, the first anointed king. Now he's depressed, the spirit of God has has gone from him, and uh, their servants uh, advise him to get a musician. And who do they advise? None other than his rival. He doesn't know. He doesn't know it's his rival. It's David, who is just recently anointed who they praise in front of Saul, by Yisrael, Shaul, Malachim, and Shaul sends messengers to Yishai, and he says, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. So now it's interesting, how could this shepherd boy, was such an amazing musician, it's amazing, you know, think about it, we have all the words of uh, David's songs, we have all the psalms. we don't have his music, but the music was uh, played every single day, twice a day in the temple. When they offered up the morning sacrifice, they played Psalms with with the music, and in the afternoon as well. So we don't have the music. But David's music was amazing music, it was spiritual music, and uh, it lifted persons. Pers- the music that would be lifted up, their spirits would be lifted, and they would get into a kind of meditative state. By kakishai and Ishai takes supplies, he takes transportation and wine and and all kinds of good foods, and he sends it with David to the king. Big honor. His son is now called to serve the king. And he doesn't want to send him empty-handed. He sends him with provisions for the king, presents for the king. And David comes to king Saul, and he stood in front of him and he played the music and said, Saul loved him tremendously. And he was Saul's armor bearer. So when King Saul had battles and war, he would take David to hold his armor. So there was a see, so see how now we're gonna see how Saul becomes a person who's fluctuating wildly, he fluctuates wildly between love and hate he has a love-hate relationship with David right now everything is love, he doesn't know he doesn't think he's his rival, he doesn't think he's being anointed, he doesn't know but slowly he's going to comprehend this and when he does, it's going to be fireworks it's going to be fireworks, which we're going to talk about but it's very interesting and we see also he has a love will not say a hate relationship with his own son he had a love and a sort of distance, a close relationship with his son Yonatan and a very distant relationship with son Yonatan. So we're going to see the same thing applied to his daughter, Michal. Uh, He had a very close relationship with his daughter, Michal, and eventually he had a very distant relationship with his daughter, Michal. And we're going to see how his uh, frame of mind was totally upset when Hashem left him, when the Spirit of God left him. So uh, he never had a counterbalance in his life. He sort of went from one end to the deep end. And uh, the only thing that helped him was music. And who's playing music? David David. He doesn't know it's his rival. He makes him his armor-bearer. And uh, Shaul sends to Yishai, and he says, I want David to stay with me. He finds favor with me. And uh, and since David was playing music, the Spirit of God rested back on Sha- Shaul. And uh, David would take his harp and play music for Shaul. And uh, the bad spirit left Shaul. He wasn't depressed anymore. And he got back his... His uh, good spirits due to the music of David. So now what happens is another war with the Finnish team. The Philistines, they come and they gather. And um, B'Sha'ul is there. He gathers all his army in, in the uh, valley of Elah, which is near Ben Shemesh. And he's prepared for a battle with the Finnish team. However, this battle is not going to be like any other battle. Why? One of the massive Philistine giants came out from the Philistine army. We all know his name is Goliath, Goliath. And he challenges the Jewish army to a duel, one man against one man, him against any warrior they choose. And whoever wins, the other side will be slaves to them. So here is a duel, the first duel in history in our Bible. A duel between, instead of whole armies fighting each other, one warrior against one warrior, and the winner takes all. The winner takes all. So, what happens? He had this massive armor. This is Vaish. Uh, one of the giants came out of the Philistine camp. His name was Goliath. And he was six amot, over six amot toes, around nine feet tall. That's He'd be a pretty good basketball player today. So, <laughs> very heavy, big built, uh, maybe, a, I don't know, other kind of uh, sport. A wrestler, I don't know, but this guy was a big guy. He was a big guy, bigger than anyone else around, and he had this massive suit of armor. And just the weight of his armor, it says, was five thousand shekel weight, was a tremendous amount of weight of copper. And on his forehead, he also had uh, armor and his shield. Everything was copper, and the spear, says, was like the spear. It was like a a big rod of a weaver, a weaver's rod, a massive spear. And he would shout every day, twice a day. Why do you want to make war with us? I challenge one of you against me. And if you can beat me, we'll all be your slaves. And if I beat you, you'll all be my slaves. So uh, Shaul and all the Jews are hearing this screaming every day, twice a day. And no one had the gumption to fight Goliath. No one has the strength of character to go and say, you know what? I'm going to go and fight Goliath. No one's going to take him up on this offer. They were all terrified of this giant. They were all terrified. It's interesting. If you're the king of Israel, you have to show leadership. It's, I'm sorry, but it's it's a hard job. It's not easy to be king of Israel because you've got to be the one in the front lines. You've got to be the one who's saying, follow me. This is the ethic in the Israeli defense forces. Follow me. The, the captain's got to go first, not last, but first. And it's the job of the king. This is another failure of Saul. I see it as a failure of Saul. It's not listed as one of his failures, but this is probably a big failure. Why? Because he was the one, if he really believes in God, and he's really convinced that God is helping him. So we can see already that the spirit of God left him, and he wasn't convinced that God is on his side. But he didn't take up uh, Goliath on the offer. So now who comes to the war? David, Ben-I, David, the son, uh, the son of this man from Ephraim, which we said is Bet-Lechem. Uh, Ephra and Bethlehem are the same city from the tribe of Judah and uh, he comes and his father sends him to provide food and drinks for his other sons who are fighting in the army or so. So I don't know why he wasn't already part of the army. Maybe he was still too young to be part of the regular army but he was sent by his father to bring supplies to his brothers who were fighting in the army and he hears this man this giant screaming and he tries to hide his tracks. David, you're going to see David was purely um, in sync with God. He was purely in sync with God. Uh, how can this giant, this, this kind of animal, how can he challenge our God? How can he challenge our God to war? He's blaspheming against our God as if the Jews had no power, no strength, but not outside. So it's interesting because he gets up in the morning. And he goes with his supplies to his brothers in the war, and the brothers see they see are very jealous of him. It's very similar to Joseph and his brothers. Only I mean, difference they didn't sell him, but it says they were upset to see him. They weren't happy to see him. What are he you doing here? Why do you leave the sheep? And then he hears the roar of this giant, and the giant is cursing the Jews out. Who's going to come and fight me, your bunch of cowards? And uh, so David says the people around him. What reward will be given to the person who fights this giant? So now, why is he asking what reward will be given to people to fight the giants? So the rabbis say he was trying to hide the fact that he did this for God. He trying to hide. He wasn't trying to boast. He was trying to hide the fact. He said, I'm doing this not for the right reasons. I'm doing this for reward. I'm not doing this for the right reasons. I'm not doing this for God. I'm not doing this for the people of Israel. I'm doing this just for the reward. I want to know what the reward is. It's like uh, today the police put out these uh, signs, wanted signs with a reward. So, a person who gives back the guy is not giving it back for the sake of heaven, he's giving it back for the sake of reward. The people wanted to impress people that he wasn't doing it. Mitzvah, he wasn't level to do the Mitzvah with a pure motive. He's trying to find, trying to give them the impression he's doing it for an impure motive. What will be done to this man who's going to win this fight against this uh, giant? You're People say, this will be done for this man. The king's, He's gonna marry the king's daughter, etc., etc. And uh, David's brother Eliab, the oldest brother, hears him talking to people and he gets mad with his brother David. And that's one of the reasons why Eliab was not chosen as the king. He had a very bad temper. And uh, he said, why did you come here? Why did you leave our flocks alone? I know you, all your bad uh, dealings. I know the, the evil in your heart. I know you have bad motives. And he uh, rebukes David terribly. Yeah, obviously, David was sent from his father. But he didn't He didn't, uh, he didn't complain. He just left Eliyab to, to his own problems. And David says, What have I done now? And he goes away. And he goes to the king. And people hear him talking that he wants to fight the giant. They bring him to the king. And David tells Shaul, he says, I want to go and fight this Philistine. And Shaul says, David, you can't go. How can you go? You're a young boy. He's, he's, a, he's twice your age and he's strapping and he's big and he's a massive giant. And he's been trained as a warrior since he was young. And David says, I'm a shepherd. And uh, I killed I kill the lion and I killed the bear. I was a shepherd. So just to save my flocks, I had to cope with the wild animals so I could deal with these kind of people. I'm trained to fight wild animals. I'm trained to fight this giant. And uh, David goes, praise to God, Hashem, Harim, And Hashem, you save me from the line, you save me from the bear, you please save me from this Philistine. And Shaul says to David, go, and Hashem should be with you. And he tries to make him wear his armor, but obviously David is much, so Shaul is one of the tallest guys in the Israeli army, and obviously his armor didn't fit David, wasn't that, that big. And he left all the armor behind, and he just took his david harbo He just took a sword, and he went. And uh, he took his sling. He took his his um, he took he took even off he took the sword even off him. He couldn't carry that big sword. He just took his slingshot and five smooth stones and his staff, and he goes. Walking towards this giant, who is challenging the Jewish army, you can see this. You know, this is uh, something so famous that it still rings around the world. This idea of David against Goliath—you know, the small fry against the massive uh, armies, the small army against the massive armies. You know, at one time Israel was considered the David, and the Arab armies or others were considered Goliath. So was in the Six Day War. After the Six Day War, everyone considers us the Goliath in the, in the Middle East, which is strange. We have no idea what's going on around us. We have no idea we're not the Goliath. We're still the David, the small guys, the small little country size of New Jersey with these massive foes around us Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, uh, Lebanon, the Houthis now in Yemen, all over. We're surrounded, pretty much surrounded by all these enemies. And here we are, people consider us the Goliath now. It's amazing. But we're still the David. And David goes and walks towards Goliath. Totally uneven kind of duels, amazing people over there watching. And uh, and Goliath starts blaspheming. Go away from me. I will give your flesh to the birds in the sky and to the animals in the ground. So he started cursing towards, towards David and cursing God as well, the God of David. And David said to the Philistine, You come towards me with a, a sword and a spear and a, a helmet and a, a shield and I come towards you in the name of God. God of the heavens. And earth. Amazing difference between the two. I'm the God of, I come towards you in the God of Israel's arms that you have blasphemed. Today, Hashem will give you in my hands and I will smite you and I will remove your head from on top of your shoulders. Wow, this is, Imagine the bravery of David to say this, this giant who's swearing and cursing. And all the uh, community will know that it's not in the hands of the spear or the, or the sword. Hashem saves a person in war. Hashem will give you in my hands. And so the Philistine gets up and gets closer to smash David. And David runs towards the Philistine and he sends his hands forward with his slingshot, he takes a small a small stone, and he smites it on the Philistine's forehead. But it bah and the stone was thrown with such force it lodged itself inside Goliath's forehead, and he fell down on the ground. And David runs and takes the Goliath's sword. He doesn't even have a sword. He takes Goliath's sword. And he cuts off his head. Wow, that's an amazing story. And all the people of Israel get up, and they scream, and they shout, and they ran after the Philistines, and the Philistine just ran away. Uh, So it's a massive victory for Israel, spearheaded by King Lister David, King David, who was anointed, but no one knew about it yet. And the Jews came back from running after the Philistine. It's a massive victory. And David took the head of the Philistine and he brought it to Ushalim, And he took all the vessels of the Philistine or the armor and he put it inside his tent. And when Shaul saw uh, David, and he told his, his head of the army, who was Abner, who was his, either his uncle or his cousin, not so, not so clear. Abner Ben-Ner, who was his cousin or his uncle, who was his leader, his general. Ben-Mizeh whose son is this boy? Abner. And Abner said, your life I, I don't even know and the king says find out whose son this is now according to what we have in the in the in the book of samuel it seems like he already knew this boy because this boy is playing music for him but it seems like that the events are not in order that first he kills Philist- uh, Phil- uh, the, the philistine first he kills goliath and then he becomes the musician for the king because the king doesn't seem to recognize it. So, and he asks the boy, who are you? And the boy says, "David I'm David, the son of Yishai, from Beit Lechem. Okay, now we come to a very interesting episode, the episode of Yonatan. So Yonatan is the son of Shaul, who's going to be the next in line. We find it, you know, Yonatan is one of my heroes. Why? He's not jealous in the least. This, this boy is not jealous in the least. This Yonatan is really one of my heroes, purely the shame Shamayim. Your son doesn't want to be the leader. He doesn't want to have any, any uh, pride. And he's willing to support David. He'd rather be happy being the second in command to David. He had no pride. He didn't want to be king. He would have been happy to be a, a general under David. So interesting. We're going to see David has a special relationship with his son of Shaul. And Shaul, King Saul, does not like this. And we're going to talk about that. But first, everything's going smoothly. Um, Shaul takes uh, David into his house, and David and Yonatan make a covenant between them, and Jonathan takes off his uh, beautiful cloak, and he gives it to David, and he equips him with his uh, weapons, and David went on special missions to whatever Shaul sent him. And Shaul put him in charge of special units, and people started liking David. People, said, This guy's a hero. He fought Goliath, and he's fighting all these. He's in charge of all the special campaigns. And whenever David came back from his campaigns, all the women would come out. This is where all the trouble start. The women would come out from all the cities of Israel when they saw David, and they would come out towards David and towards Shaul with their with their uh, drums and uh, music, and the words they said caused the trouble. That Shaul uh, rid of Thousands of enemies and David rid us of ten thousands of enemies. And this is what started Shaul thinking maybe David is my rival. Maybe David is the one who is anointed. Maybe David is going to take over from me. He starts getting jealous of David. It's such a tragedy. And Shaul started off with such humility and he ends off with such jealousy. Starts off with humility. But listen, he is the king. So really is treason in a sense but uh person got to watch out not to go over the leader's head, you know, to be uh, more successful than the leader, to be more praised by everyone, more than the leader. People don't like that. And uh, that's what happened in the story of Shaul and David. Terrible jealousy, which causes enmity, but it didn't come out yet completely. So what happens? And uh, the spirit of depression that rested on Shaul. And he sits in his house, David and David was playing the harp for him. And uh, Saul had a sort of playing with a spear in his hands. And Shaul all of a sudden takes the spear and he says, I will hit David with the spear. He throws the spear at David and David just gets out of the way in time. So, uh, so, uh, Shaul sees David, Hashem is with David and uh, so Shaul says, yeah, i got to find a way. He of really scared. I'm going to do it in a nice way. I'm going to make him in charge of special units, special forces. He puts him in charge. He's in charge of a 1,000 troops. Uh, puts him in charge of a 1,000 troops. And David is now in charge. He's the he's vanguard of the army. So hopefully Shaul's trying to get rid of David, puts him right in front of the army. He's in charge of a 1,000 men. And David was successful in everything he did, and Hashem was with him. So Shaul's getting more mad, and now he's getting more jealous. So David's put him in front of the army to try and kill him, instead of which he's much more successful, and everyone's praising him. But Ya Shaul Hashem wants to kill but he's really sick of it. And everyone else loves David. All the inhabitants of Israel, the inhabitants of Judah, they see David is protecting them, he's running in the army, he's running the army, he's fighting all their wars. And so the, uh, Shaul has some other tricks up his sleeve. And Shaul said to David, "My oldest daughter, Merab, I'm going to give you as wife, but you got to fight for me in the wars." And uh, and David says, "Who am I to marry your daughter? To marry into your family? Such a uh, such an honorable family, and I should be a, a, a son-in-law to the king." So uh, so now the show, Shaul plays a trick. Instead of giving her to David, he gives it to someone else. Um, so his other daughter, Michal, fell in love with David. And she comes to Shaul, she says, I want to marry David instead. So you, you promised my older sister to David and you gave it to someone else. But I want to marry David. Please let me marry David. So Shaul says, fine, I'm going to give you David. But on one condition, he comes, he goes in front of the wars, and he's going to bring me uh, some uh, remnants of a hundred Philistines. That's going to be the amount that he's going to, that's going to be your value of your kiddushim. That's how he's going to marry you. And he tells David, David runs away, runs out at night, and he comes back with remnants of a thousand Philistines. So that's how he marries uh, Shaul's second daughter. Sorry, a hundred Philistines. Um, and take vengeance on the enemies of Israel. So, uh, so David married the king's daughter. He marries Michal, the king's daughter, and he's to go with his with his warriors, and he's to go and smash the Philistines um, everywhere he went. And he married the daughter of the king, and. And Shaul sees this, and he's sees that God is with David, God is not losing any wars, and he sees his, his daughter now is loving David, his enemy, his arch enemy. Look, it's, it's interesting to see that uh, Shaul lost his uh, members of his family to, to David. That made him more mad. Yonatan, his, his son, his oldest son, the next in line, loves David. Now his second daughter now loves David, and he hates David. The more he hates David, the more his own family loves David. The more people of Israel love David. So he gets, gets infuriated much more. So he sees David, Hashem is with David. He's successful. His daughter loves David. And he wants to figure out a way to get rid of David. And he wants to do it in a nice way. But the bear Shaul Yonatan. So Shaul speaks to his son Yonatan and all his servants to kill David. And Yonatan is the wrong guy for the job. Yonatan is the one who likes David. They get Yonatan David and Yonatan warns David saying... My father wants to kill you. Be very careful and hide. Go hide. But had said, "I will go. And I will stand in the field, and I will talk first to my father and see which way the wind is blowing. Does he really want to kill you or not?" But I beg you, and David, Saul. And Jonathan spoke good words about David to his father, Saul. Please don't sin. When don't try and kill David. He's such a sadiq. He's such a good boy. He's such a good man. And uh, he puts his life in dangers to kill our enemies. And Hashem the salvation, salvation for all of us. And you should be happy. And please don't take him. His blood is clean blood. And Shaul hears the voice of Yonatan. And Shaul takes an oath. I swear by God not to kill David. This is an oath that obviously Shaul has no intention. I mean, he goes to his moods. He vacillates up and down he's going through his moods. And here he's in a good mood. Yeah, I'll never kill David. I swear I'll never kill David. And Yonatan calls David and he tells him, no problem, my father took it you oh, so I'm gonna kill you. And things are gonna go well with you, with my father. So there's another war, another war, and David goes out to fight more wars. And he hits, and he caused a tremendous victory against the British team. And, and again, Shaul gets a bout of melancholy. And uh, David is playing the harp in front of him. And again, he chucks his spear at David, he tries to kill him again. And David moves out of the way at the last minute and runs, runs for his life. And Shaul, this time, this is the first time he sends messages to try and kill David. So uh, his wife, Michal, who is the daughter of Shaul, warns him, David, get out of the house. They're coming to arrest you. Let's get out, get out of the house. they want to kill you in the morning. And David tells his wife, he says, okay, I'm going to leave at night. And don't tell anyone. So she lets him out the window. He he, he takes uh, some kind of sheets. And he lets himself out the window and he runs away from Shaul. And Michal takes kind of pillow, puts it in the bed. as for the man sleeping over there. And they put some goat skin. You've seen this before with the uh, Yaakov and Esau, puts goat skin on the head. Just like there's a, a person over there sleeping in the bed. And Shaul sends his messengers to take David and she tells them he's sick. Again, he sends the messengers to see where David is really in the bed or not. And the messengers go up into, into, the, into the bedroom and they see in the bed there's a person over there and uh, there's hair over there. And again, they go back to Shaul and they tell him, This is not David. David's gone. This is uh, your your daughter tricked us. She put this uh, wig over there instead of a man, it's not really a man. So Shaul calls our daughter. Can you imagine, says, "You tricked me. You, my daughter, tricked me. Um, what? You're the one who is responsible." That David ran away, and she said, "What can I do?" He was armed. He was threatening me. He had to let him go. Okay, that's her excuse. And uh, Shaul is seeking David. Where is David? David went to the one who anointed him. Wants to know what's going on. He goes to Shmuel, and Navi in Ramah. And uh, Shaul sends messengers to capture David. So what happens? Shmuel is there. What's, what's Shmuel doing over there? Shmuel is with all his friends and students. Who is his students? A bunch of prophets. And they're all prophesying. So Samuel is prophesying. His students are prophesying. And the, the messengers that go from Shaul to capture David start prophesying as well. So <laughs> a, wild, a wild story. They fall in with the prophets. And they start prophesying as well and uh, so the Spirit of God rests on them, they start prophesying, and it was told to Shaul, and Shaul sends more messages, and they also start prophesying, and he sends more messages, the third messages, and they also start prophesying, they will come back, and so therefore he says, I'm going to go myself. So he goes to Shmuel, and he goes there, and he says, where is Shmuel and David? And I tell him right there over here in a place called Benayot, and he goes there, and he starts prophesying as well, the Spirit of God rests on him, and he starts prophesying. This is the best way to get rid of the enemies. Make them all start prophesying. And they all have the spirit of God resting on them. They start becoming holy. And he couldn't touch David. He would, he would start prophesying as well. <laughs> so this is the second time that Shaul became a prophet. Uh, all because of Sh- uh, Shmuel. The first time is when he was anointed as king. And t- uh, Shmuel tells him on the way back. "You're going to fall in You're going to start prophesying. And here again, because of Shmuel, uh, his influence Uh, Shaul starts prophesying and that's how he didn't touch David and David runs away from there as fast as possible, gets away from from, uh, Shaul and he tells Yonatan, what have I done to you? What is my sin? Your father wants to kill me all the time. What have I done? And uh, Yonatan pacifies him and says, no, for sure you're not going to die. Um, You didn't do anything to my father and uh, I don't know what my father's up to let me find out. And they take oaths he took an oath to david i'm going to find out from my father what's going on and let uh, you know i'll let you know so david says the time, tomorrow is rosh kodesh now rosh kodesh is a very big day it's a, it's a holiday rosh kodesh the new moon is a holiday would make a party every rosh kodesh and uh so I'm gonna see if my father misses you, I'm gonna send messages to get you. You go and hide, hide in the field. And if my father misses you and he, he wants to know where you are, and he really misses you, I'll get messages to you to come and get you. Uh but if he doesn't miss you, if he's mad at you, then I'm gonna send messages. I'm gonna send uh, certain messages also. So, okay, so that's the that's the uh plan, plan of action, good plan of action. And what happens is. Rosh Khadrish, Shaul is having this big party, It's usual, at his uh, monthly party, and Yonatan uh, is in the party, and uh, Jonathan and Shaul ask Yonatan, he says, where is David, my son-in-law? Where is my son-in-law David? Where is he? And uh, Jonathan says that David is with his parents. He had to go as father has also a party for Rosh where that's where he is, and uh, Shaul goes mad. He goes ballistic. <laughs> Shaul goes mad with ratan. He says, <laughs> "You are the son of a rebellious woman." Right, 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 right. You chose. I know you chose the son of Yushai to your own shame, your eternal shame. Over your own heritage, you chose someone else over your own heritage. You are meant to be the next king, and instead of worrying about your own kingship, you just care about this guy that is David. who's going to take your throne away from you all the time. That's amazing that I shall realize as long as he is alive, as David is alive on the, on the land, you and your kingship will not be secure. So, there we go, take him. Because you are the son of death, oh gosh. The truth is that this is a prophecy that Shaul uttered that Yonatan's gonna die, he's gonna die at the hands of the British demon, you're gonna see the end of the story. And uh, Yonatan wasn't scared of his father, he stands up to Shaul and he says, The only love, Lama Yumat Masa. Why would he die? Why, what has he done? So Shaul, his answer was, he takes the spear to smack Yonatan, and Yonatan knew that's it, the seal. Was securely fastened around David's neck. That Sha'ul has really wants to kill David. The other Jonathan gets up in a rage. He didn't eat all day. And he ran to where David's hiding. And he takes with him an armor bearer and he throws arrows, he shoots arrows, and he tells the boy who's picking up the arrows, they're far away, go far away. And that's the sign that. Uh, David's life is in danger so David knows his life is in danger eventually the boy goes away and Yonatan and David they embrace, embraced and uh, they know this is probably the last time they're going to meet and David now has to really go and hide Yonatan sends him away now we come to a tra- tragic episode this is probably the worst thing that Shaul Amir does this is the worst thing where does David go he has nowhere to hide really um, his own family are marked where is he going to go so he's running out of food he's running out of supplies here he was He was one of the generals of King Saul, and now he's penniless. He is now uh, a fugitive. He's now classed as a treason, and his life is at stake. So what does he do? He runs. Where can he get supplies? He goes to the city of Nov. The city of Nov was the city of Kohanim. This is where the Mishkan was put, was replaced when it was destroyed by the Philistines in time of Eli from Shiloh. And so he goes to the Kohanim and he says, Please can you help me? I need food, I need supplies. And the Kohanim don't know anything. Listen, they listen, they don't know what's going on between David and Shaul. They all know that he's one of the generals of Shaul. Of course, they'll help him. And he goes to the Achimelech, the priest. He says, The king commanded me on a special mission. I need food and the supplies. Now, this is a bit of a lie, but was it his light as a stake? And the Kohanim was only two. Uh, helpful, he's very helpful, of course, only two police to help. There's no secular bread, there's holy bread, which is the bread of truma. but if you're starving, there's bread from the temple, if you're starving, I guess you can have it as a type of you can break these laws, you can have these laws, and uh, you can have, have it as long as you're pure, and uh, here are the weapons of Goliath. You can have the sword. We have the sword over here or of Goliath over here. You can have the weapons of Goliath. So what happens is they help David. David now has food, supplies, He goes on his way. Unfortunately, there was a spy there, one of the kings saw spies. His name was Doeg. Do'eg Haidomi, Kamal says, was one of the heads of the Sun Dream. It's very hard to understand. How one of the heads of the Sunny Dream. we see this in a few places. The heads of the Sunny, a person who's on a higher, very high level. I don't know how, how high level he was spiritually, but in terms of uh, his his place in society at a high level, these guys were the most dangerous because they're full of pride. This guy's full of pride. He didn't want David to be the next king. He was uh, just a tailbearer. He was one of the classic tailbearers in history. He goes back to King Saul. He said, I saw the priests helping your enemy, David. Now, they did help the enemy, but they didn't know he was the enemy. But the way he said it was, they were helping the enemy, David. Shaul gets mad. He's, he's their treason. Go kill the city of love, Wipe them out. Wipe out the whole city. Imagine the to whole town of Kohanim being wiped out. Now, no one wanted, obviously, the army of Israel not going to wipe out Kohanim. So, to the credit of Abner Ben-Ner, the general, refused point blank. And this is amazing not to follow orders. This is a Jewish concept. Don't follow orders. You don't follow bad orders. Not a good excuse. Uh, that was Eichmann's excuse. I'm just following orders. You don't follow orders when it comes to killing innocent people, men, women, and children. This is a terrible tragedy in Jewish history. And it's on Saul's neck, the killing of the Koine of Nob. So who kills them? The tailbearer, he kills them single-handedly. Obviously, he's more armed, and they're not armed. He goes and quite kills them. So we see over here, interesting, the governor says, If you can tell Lashon HaRa about someone, you can even kill them. Because Lashon HaRa kills. We don't realize that. But bad speech can kill someone, can ruin their business, can ruin their uh, position, and can actually kill them. So Lashon HaRa can kill. We see this by Doeg Haidami. First he spoke Lashon HaRa. And King Saul could not find anyone take uh, vengeance on the priests, these innocent priests of Nov, except for this man, Doeg, the one who spoke Lashon HaRa, killed him. So what happens is David now is really lost. What's he going to do? Who's going to help him? So he puts something in his heart. And he says, I got to go to my enemies. Maybe the Pelishtim will look after me. This is a really a wild kind of hope. The team are going to look after me. So he runs to Gat, one of the five towns of the Pelishtim on the coast. And he runs to the king Akish, the king of Gat. And what happens is they, they recognize him. This is David, the one who killed Goliath. Let's get him now, he's in our hands. So, there's an interesting midrash. David wondered about a few things. There's a beautiful midrash. The midrash says david you had questions to God. He said, Number one, Hashem, why did you create mad people in the world? Number two, is why did you create spiders? And number three, why did you create wasps? We don't get bee, we don't get uh, honey from wasps. Why do you create these three things? And Hashem said, I'll show you in your own life why I create these three things. These three things are going to save your life. <laughs> so here is David in, in Ghat. He goes into the lion's den, literally, among the Philistines. They recognize him as the killer of Goliath, and they have him now in their hands, and they want to kill him in cold blood. What does he do? He thinks very quickly. He acts like he's crazy. He acts like a madman. So he starts spitting and shouting and screaming and acting crazy. And apparently the king... Uh, of of gut. Akish had two daughters who were also crazy. So he said, What? You brought me another madman in my house? Get him out of here as soon as possible. So throw him out, take him and throw him out. <laughs> so David yeah. says, Thank God for creating madness. You know, this is one of the uh, techniques used by guilty people in court that they're mad. You know, there was, they was using this the same ruse that David Amirich used against the Philistines, Protest, they use still today this amazing. This plea of madness, a plea of uh, not being one's own mind, yeah. So Achish says, ani? am I lacking mad people in my uh, my house? You bring me another one to get mad with me? Get him out of here. <laughs> so a beautiful story. This is why I should be man madness to get people out of trouble sometimes. Uh, so David got out of trouble through this. And what happens is he's running, he's running away again. He's got to hide everywhere. Uh, All his, uh, the house of his father were in in trouble as well. And uh, the enemies gathered against them. He sent them off to his relatives in Moab. Another big mistake of David. He sends his father and mother and his closest relatives to Moab. He is a relative of Moab through his great-grandmother, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite girl who converted to Judaism. And that was his great-grandmother. She was the grandmother of Yishai, his father. He says, for sure the king of Moab will look after them because they're his relatives. So he sends them to Moab and the king of Moab kills them has them all executed. He doesn't have any bonds with his, uh, his Jewish relatives. and kills them all. So David made a mistake over there again. It's uh, terrible. He gets the city of Nob into trouble and he gets, uh, obviously it wasn't his fault, but inadvertently he got the city of Novi into trouble and got his parents into trouble. And he got them killed. Terrible story. Anyway, so now he's hiding all over the mountains of Judea, and Shaul is complaining. I don't have any faithful people. No one tells me where uh, where David is hiding, and you you guys are all treasonous. You're all supporting David, not supporting me. So this is part of David uh, Saul's condition that uh, he thinks everyone's paranoid. He thinks everyone is against him. It's part of the spirit, the evil spirit that God put on top of this evil spirit, and. Uh, David is running around, place to place, hiding. In the meantime, he gathers with him all uh, people who are in trouble, all these people who are running away from the law. Either they're poor, or they couldn't pay the debts, or other things going on, and they join him. So and then he has a whole bunch of people. He has like a small army, three hundred people running after him, and he's uh, they're protecting him, and they're worrying about him. So, so they find out where David is. And so, uh, let's just uh, tell you a little bit of a story before we end the story. So, what do we see? We see that uh, Shaul is got this, um, this condition, this, he has this evil spirit that uh, the Torah says. God sent him an evil spirit. When the spirit of God was removed from him, he got evil spirits, Instead, the spirit of depression. He would have bouts of paranoia. He would have bouts of uh, melancholy and uh, he was in a bad state. Uh, he had to have David play the harp for him and then in him the bench. He, he tries to kill him a few times. And David is now on the run. And Shaul wants to get rid of him as much as possible. So he tried every ruse in the book to kill him. Couldn't kill him. He was saved by God, but he's still trying to kill him. And there's two more stories I just want to say before we go. The, the story is that David is in this cave. And Shaul and his men are hunting David in the mountains. And they come to the cave. And Shaul is there, and he can hear Shaul's voice outside the cave. He says, "Now I'm lost." Shaul has been outside the cave. I'm inside the cave, and he hears Shaul saying, "He can't be in here. Why can't he be in here, King? Because there's a there's a spider's web over the mouth of the cave." So David knows now why did why, why did God create spiders? His life was saved by a spider's web. The second story is that again Shaul is hunting David in the cave, and there's a very long, narrow cave. They can't see inside the cave, and Shaul and his men are sleeping at the entrance of the cave. One of his men was uh, General Abner Benner, who had, was a massive guy, and he was sleeping right at the entrance of the cave, and David goes inside the cave, and he steals Shaul's water bottle. He wants to show Shaul that I, I have the power to kill you. You're in my power. You're sleeping. I could have killed you. Instead of killing you, I took your water bottle just to show you I don't want to kill you. So please, why do you chase after me? But On the way out of the cave, Abner Ben-Nir is a big guy. He puts his foot right there and he can't get out of the cave. Abner's foot is right in the way. His big, big, fat legs were blocking the entrance of the cave. Hashem, he prays to God, save me. Hashem sends a wasp to bite Abner's leg. And Abner moves his leg. He's still sleeping. This guy's a tough guy. And David gets out of the cave. But with all that, David has a chance to kill Shaul. He starts screaming, Shaul, Shaul, look. I could have killed you tonight. I do not want to kill you. See, you're the anointed of God. I'm not going to lift my hand against the anointed of God. Shaul says, you're more righteous than me, my, my son David, and I'm sorry. And, da, 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 da. and then the next day he's hunting David again. So all these things did not help. But we're going to continue the story. It's going to end, unfortunately, tragic ending for Shaul. And Bezra HaShem, the new beginnings of a true... Jewish state under King David, this wisest king, this uh, Sadiq, the king, the righteous king. Listen, we're, we all, have, we're all righteous, so we all have flaws, everyone has flaws, but this man was chosen by God because his heart was in the right place, which we have to talk about. How do you get God's stamp of approval? That's, that's the key. Shaul never got God's stamp of approval, he lost it, he had it, he lost it, David keeps it all his life, and we are going to have a very, very strong relationship with God, very close bond with God, We'll talk about it next week. Please. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by Torahanytime.com.